Better Banking is getting an unbelievable 0.99% APR rate on a home equity line of credit from First Commonwealth Bank to turn your bathroom into your, wow, I love this bathroom, bathroom. 0.99% introductory APR for six months that adjusts to a variable rate based on Wall Street Journal prime rate plus or minus a margin with a minimum rate of 2.99% and a maximum rate of 18%. Offer subject to change or withdrawal at any time. Call 1-800-711-2265 for details about credit costs and terms. Equal housing lender, First Commonwealth Bank, member FDIC. What if you could be a superhero? Dave here from DC On Screen. If you love this show and you want to see it continue and thrive, please be sure to visit iTunes or Stitcher and leave us a five-star written review. The process is faster than a speeding bullet. You don't even have to wear tights or a cape. I mean, you can, if you're into that kind of thing. No judgment. What's important is that you tell the world what you like about the show and why you think they should be listening too. It really does go a long way in helping our show grow and expand, pushing us into more people's eye and ear holes. That was a weird way to put that. By the way, leaving a five-star written review gets you entered into a drawing to win a free DC trade paperback DVD or Blu-ray valued at $15 or less. One in ten will win and will be chosen through a true number generator on random.org. Think of it as our version of that antiquated sexist moment where the superhero saves the girl and she gives him a little jaw sugar. <laughs> Alright, begging is over. Time for a brand new episode of DC On Screen. Welcome into DC On Screen number 297. Oh man, we've done so many. Mm-hmm. This is our weekly DC TV news episode. I am your host, David C. Robertson, and I have a desperate, sick need to purchase attractively designed box sets, even of stuff I don't want or already own. This is my co-host, Jason Goss. <laughs> hey, yeah, you waste a lot and of money on that. Do you have any weird purchasing sicknesses? I know we're both partial to the color blue. Sure, yeah. What are they? <laughs> Just blue stuff? Yeah, that's really about <laughs> it. I'm, I'm actually slightly more responsible than my impulsivity would uh, imply. Mm-hmm. See, I'm actually pretty. I'm pretty good about not doing it. Like, like I've wanted that like sweet Harry Potter collection forever. That's in the box set with the. I don't even know what the sh- hell it shows. I don't. I really don't. And maybe it's Hogwarts said winter. I don't know. I don't know what the box set is. You have no idea. You never and watched the damn things. It's a I've never. Whole new world no, too. I mean th- these are the books, and I have mm. like the first four books, and I've never read them. Mm. But the uh, it's like the first seven books, and now they have that damn eighth book and some sort of a Fantastic Beast thing. So, you know, the only thing that's keeping me from buying the box set is knowing that it's not complete. But uh, the box set is blue. That that hurts and me it's a lot, very, too, yeah. it's very pretty. It's very pretty. It's like blue with, like, snow, and uh, I think, and uh, I, I see it every time I go into any kind of bookstore. Now, as you know, I already own all of Star Trek on DVD, and uh, I just went over to Amazon... I was alerted to it from Ain't It Cool News, and they were uh, they said, "Oh, cheapest Star Trek on Blu-ray ever," and I was like, "You're shitting me!" And I just <laughs> decided to go over and check it out, and they had the com- complete original series for like thirty-five bucks mm. on Blu-ray, and it's this pretty blue case that's like like it shimmers. Oh, it's of like, got it does. like almost like a hologram blue type of thing. Mm-hmm. And it's got like the blue, red, and yellow, or the blue, red, and gold coming out of the nacelles as the Enterprise warps around a silver uh, Federation Delta. Mm. It's on its way to my house. Oh, I was going to say that was hard for you. I, I didn't know how that story ended, but okay, that makes sense. <laughs> I, it was, well, I mean, I think I could have probably said no, except that it was blue. It was just too much for me. You know, it was I, too many things that I love. Something that I, I I do I do stop myself a lot, like a lot. Um, mm-hmm. My Amazon wish lists are are full and get depleted very slowly. But um, you know those Nero Wolf <laughs> books I keep trying to shove down your throat. Every time I see one of those in a secondhand oh, store, that, that shit goes home with me. Yeah, yeah, I feel you. Like I do, I I go, I will. Like they've just now recently started putting out like the the really nice little box sets of the Twilight Zone on DVD, and um, like they have a they have a DVD box set of the complete series that's like slim cased. Mm-hmm. And of course, like ten years ago, I bought like the complete collection on DVD. I'm looking at it right now, but it's like the thick cases, and I love the case for it. I love it, but I also love the case for the other one, mm. the new one that just came out. And I want and I, but you know if I'm you like, want a if I would buy it. Yeah, a little bit. But, you know, at the same time, I say, if I'm going to buy this again, it's going to be on Blu-ray. It's going to be on HD. (laughs) 
Like, I'm yeah. not going to buy another DVD box set of the Twilight Zone. I'm I see every waft box. of Serling smoke when he pitches those things right. at the end. Oasis cigarettes. Yeah. I even know what brand, guys. What up? But <laughs> oh. <laughs> anyway, yeah, it's a sickness. I love a good box set, especially if it's blue. You do. You have an impressive anyway. wall. <laughs> I do. Um. Uh, First off, starting off with uh, first off, starting off with Gotham, Con, uh, bleh, con time about Star Trek again. Cameron <laughs> Monaghan <laughs> recently interviewed with Backstage.com about his acting career when he got his start and uh, some of the stuff that he wished had gone differently, and most importantly, how he approaches the soon-to-be-returned Jerome Valeska on Gotham. He was asked, what has your current role as Jerome Valeska on Gotham taught you about your acting? He says, it's definitely been an amalgamation of everything I've learned from every other job. It takes a constant awareness. He's extremely intelligent. He's extremely on top of every situation. And he's constantly one step ahead of all the other characters. That required projecting a sense of confidence and ease and awareness. It's a presentness that's key to engaging the role. I spent pretty much the entirety of the time on set being in character and doing nothing but just focusing on the scenes themselves. There was no idle chit-chat. I found it required that level. I kind of believe it watching the guy. Right? Of course, I, I kind of want to tell him, dude, it's not even as hard as that. You would make us happy if you just said, I just watched Mark Hamill. <laughs> you still have to be able to accurately like do it. Though. Right. You can't just watch Mark Hamill and go, yeah, I've got this. I mean, if, if you can, actor, awesome. You can. Yeah. Can't yeah, do it for you. If you're... <laughs> uh, <laughs> Expose is reporting that Ben McKenzie will make his directorial debut on an upcoming episode of Gotham. Talking about it, he said, it was a little bit odd. What was interesting was sort of how much I didn't know that I knew until I actually got there. It was like, oh, I know the answer to that question. <laughs> <laughs> because I've sat here for three years from a different perspective. Everybody has to say yes to you. It was really, really fun. <laughs> that doesn't sound good. I really enjoyed it. I'm sure you did, Ben. <laughs> right. We have an amazing cast, so being able to work with them in that way was really fun. That just didn't sound right. I'm sorry. I, sh <laughs> I shouldn't have said that. you got to imagine like his episode is going to be 85% snarl. Right. I would just be like, you know, I don't know. I halfway suspect his episode will be like the episode where he and Lee get back together. It's just, it's like, why is Jim Gordon doing nothing but laying in bed this entire episode? Well, he was <laughs> directing, so he, he had to find somebody else to do the action. He needed an excuse for why he wasn't. Yeah, right. <laughs> anyway, uh, Cameron Bicondova talked to Cinema Blend about when the fans of Gotham might be able to expect Selena Kyle to start making the transition to Catwoman. She said, especially after this next episode airs, episode 13, I think she's actually going to believe in herself and she's going to, she's actually going to believe that she's a strong, independent person. I think she's always said that to make herself uh, feel better and make it easier for her to live and survive. But after instances that are going to be occurring in her life soon, I think they're going, they're actually, she says actually a lot. I think they're actually <laughs> going to force her to actually believe that she is this strong, independent young lady instead of just telling herself that. I think that's one step she's going to be taking to become Catwoman. Now, when she says is going to air, that will have aired by now. Yes. One, so two. It's, it's smile like you mean it. I just looked that up. I think that's the next, uh, that's what will have aired on the 23rd. Yeah. So. That was four actuallys. Four actuallys. What the hell, Cameron? So we can trust Carmen. it. Did I say Cameron before? Uh, you know, you might have actually, now that I think about it. Carmen. Sorry. Carmen. Bicondova. Eh, long history Bicondova. of getting names wrong. <laughs> There's a precedence, guys. Well, yeah, we, you know, we try. Right. You know how many names there are in the world? Damn it, people. <sighs> and they're all so hard to pronounce. Somewhere less than eight billion? And they're all so hard to There's pronounce. <laughs> duplicates in there, but... Yeah, the um, so that's actually getting around to Catwoman a little earlier, a little earlier than I thought. But yeah. well, I mean, I th hell, I thought she was pretty much Catwoman to begin with. I mean, she's had the vibe down. Like, I just I don't know what they mean by yeah. like, uh, get her an outfit, get her a mission, because that would be I think what you change is like, do you put her in a costume? Do you give her a, a specific mission, or do you <laughs> have her name herself? Well, no. they have to be careful because so much of Catwoman is the raw sexuality of the character. Which is, it would be weird now. It would be Which weird is creepy day. if you're talking about a little kid. Yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, these two, it's like their first relationship. We're not into the, we're not into that yet. Like, I would just feel weird if she showed up in, like, a skin-tight outfit with, like, the zipper all the way down to her belly button. You should, belly you should button, feel weird. You, know? just, you should feel weird if that I happened. don't need that. I don't need that. Come on, guys. What what the hell? Yeah. I, I don't think they'll go that way with it, but maybe they give her, like, you know, a, a Robin Hood kind of storyline going on or right. some version of the costume. I assume with her it'll be right. black, not purple. But Yeah. They'd be like, well, we wouldn't do that. Like okay, good. Thank you, Gotham writers. Unless it came out that she was secretly Bruce's sister. <laughs> Why? All right. Here's how I'm gonna I'm gonna lay my bet though. Is they they do they make her uh, here's I'm just gonna throw it down in case it sticks. They they give her like a you know uh, Rob from the rich give it to the poor thing. Sure. Someone finally cites her notices that uh, that it's a girl right. and the press starts calling her Catwoman. Okay. Does she tell bad guys you have failed this kitty? <laughs> <laughs> Please, God. <laughs> Dear God. Oh, Gotham, we've made fun of you with me in a cartoon here and there, but if you do that, it'll be worth it. No judgment. <laughs> oh, man. So... <laughs> Sorry, I hate to laugh so much at my own joke, but it was good. It was it was fun. Anyway, Gotham EP John Stevens spoke to Screener TV about the future of Garden and Falcone. Garden, Gordon and Falcone. <laughs> after the Jerome storyline plays out, he says we play that in two different ways. We play it very differently. Sorry, very directly and heavy in the first episode when we come back with the storyline between Jim and Falcone. The repercussions of the killing of Mario actually are through the end of the year. It's going to be sad. What? Sad? Some, what? Something <laughs> sad is apparently imminent. Ooh. That's, that's what I got that's out of not that. just. Hopefully that's not just like John Stevens giving up on the show. Yeah, it's going to be sad. It's <laughs> pathetic. It's such a bad show. this thing fucking dry. Terrible. <laughs> This cow is going to be shriveled, my friends. Yeah. Um. <laughs> I, 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 you got to. All right. So you can't kill him outright. There's no hit on him. Yeah. Maybe he just decides he's going to kind of do the same thing they're doing to Penguin right now. Take away everything else. Right. Right. Oh man. Corey Michael Smith recently spoke with Cinema Blend about his Riddler transformation and the costume he'll be donning. He said the role is performative, not in a Jim Carrey way. He's quick to point that out. <laughs> Damn. I want him to be kind of showy. Well, that just sounds like Jim Carrey. So what we have he is said the Riddler kind costume. of showy, not extremely yeah. showy. Right. So what we have is the Riddler costume is really classy. And that's kind of what we wanted. So they already have a Riddler costume. Badass. Yeah. All right. I think it's just going to be like yeah, a vest is. with a you know question mark. Like a, a three-piece uh, suit, vest, question marks, placed well. Maybe a nice you hat. You bum me out, man. You bum me out. I thought it was going to be cooler than that. It's just, <laughs> just what I've got, you know, thinking about how Gotham's done some of their costumes in the past. That's just what I've got right yeah. now, visually. Uh, he added, to give you some inside scoop, I do not have a cane yet. But I want one so badly for a few different reasons. I won't tell you all of them, so I don't spoil anything, but I'm pitching very hard for a cane. <laughs> Plus, we do have somewhere to go and add some stuff, so maybe in the future, there will be a cane. But I want him to be someone who deserves a fucking cane. He needs to be someone that's just begging for a cane. What is wrong with this guy? <laughs> I don't know, but I like his passion. <laughs> I like how much he wants that cane. For a cane. You know what it reminds me of the... um. The episode of News Radio where Bill gets a cane, or Phil Hartman, the great Phil Hartman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, my. <laughs> I recall this one. And he just, he has like a whole, like he's, he, his cane is gone, and he's looking around, and he's like, let's see, I walked in, one, two, three, tap, 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 because he keeps tapping his cane when he walks in. It's just stupid. It's awesome. Though. Mm -hmm. That was a good, um, anyway, was a good bit. Um, so no iconic cane yet, but... Uh, Asked about the presence of question marks, he insisted, "Oh yeah, oh yeah, we're there." <laughs> what? I'm sorry, man. That Corey Michael Smith bit where he's just talking about the cane is just too why much. Do for you need want him to be a guy who needs a fucking cane. <laughs> yeah, I I would love to, to see a bit where he he walks in with a cane and sees Penguin and he's got his cane and like like does some nice uh, kind of reveal where Penguin walks around a corner and he's. He's there, and Penguin's all, you. 
and uh, uh, Nigma like makes fun of him for having a cane, and then uh, you know blithely picks his up and and strolls with perfect gait and looks at his leg like you can't do that, can you? Mine's just for <laughs> well, show. Damn it! Now I want you to write for Gotham. We just have fun, you know, pitching things. Right. I I suspect if we actually wrote a thing as far as Batman, Gotham, whatever, any of these shows are concerned. We would be the only ones amused. Like we would be just like howling at our own shit, and everyone would be like, "What is? What was the point of that?" Just, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Not like, bet on that. Penguin and Riddler just quoted Nero Wolf for two hours. Yeah, money on the table for that. Yeah. <laughs> so TV Insider has released some photos of the new and resurrected Jerome, complete with costume changes and giant scars. Monahead said of the new look, "I really can't wait for people to see it." We have a few different looks for him. It looks really great. Our makeup special effects designer, Mike Maddy, did a phenomenal job. I've seen the pictures. It looks creepy. It does. And he looks like he's having just as much fun as I hope him, I, I'd hope he does. Yeah. I actually look forward to the end of the show so I can watch Gotham and be like, yep, there he is. Yeah, I can't tell tomorrow. It's sad. Yeah, I probably won't for another six days. <laughs> <laughs> or however long. I have to uh, sleep. Yeah. Well, we're getting all the shows back, so I really do probably need to get to that. Mm-hmm. Knock, out, knock out what you can, man. Tonight-ish or tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Uh, on to Lucifer. <laughs> God Johnson <laughs> has been cast. Still a funny name. It is. Um, it begs to be religious and, uh, porn. Right. And, you know, oh, what? I agreed to that way too quickly. <laughs> and then, like, I was like, wait, wait, Dave, don't, don't. Don't agree to that yet. No, no, it's not East Coast girl porn. You know it is. I don't want to know what you're talking about. And I have, I, I'm, I'm not, I'm speculating, sir. I have no idea. <laughs> we have previously reported that Lucifer planned on bringing in a God Johnson, whom they described as an older, charming psych- psychiatric patient. They seem to have found their man in Timothy Omanson, best known for his role in Psych. He was also in Gallivant. And I mentioned Gallivant because my girlfriend loves Gallivant, and mm. uh, I don't—I've never seen it, but uh, apparently it was amazing. I think they just hired him for his his facial game. Really? I mean, did, have you seen this man's whiskers? No, it's special. I didn't look at it. It's special. Did you see Gallivant at all? No, not a clue what they're talking about there. She—it uh, was sort of a musical. It was like a musical uh, type of—I uh, think it was like a medieval type of situation. But they would do like a thing where they had like they would introduce like well-known actors as like the head of all these armies mm-hmm. like every week they were dealing with a different kind of like a different culture or whatever and like there'd be like the king or whatever and it'd be like a different you know pretty high-ranking actor and then for like the finale they had like a big war but they actually but it was like also a musical so the show was a musical and they but they had like a whole song about like how they could either afford the kings of all these places or they could afford armies so they just chose the armies <laughs> because they couldn't af- they couldn't afford the the money it was like a fourth wall breaking show apparently it was really good mm-hmm. and they just pointed out very very efficiently that by the way we couldn't afford to have all these people return so here are armies <laughs> very nice right that's how i understood it i don't know i didn't watch it uh, this was all secondhand for first me. i'm hearing of it but <laughs> right i mean it was canceled but two seasons apparently it's really good okay Oh, man. Uh, So we meant to talk about this last week. It was on our list, and we got distracted, and I skipped over it or something because I'm stupid. Rick Cosnett uh, announced via Twitter that he will be making a return to The Flash. Uh, Apparently, there's no word yet really on which version or character or timeline he might be appearing in. Mm -hmm. Which is how news happens in The Flash these days. Same same thing happened with uh, Robbie Mel last week. "Eh, He's there. Don't know. On Squadcast, though, Tim said he saw a listing on IMDb that was like a super spoiler for what Rick Cosnett was playing, but he wouldn't say what it was and that now it's been taken down. Mm. IMDb does that every now and then if you catch him at just the right time. Mm -hmm. Now, I mean, no, I don't want to speculate too hard and fast here, but that sounds like a Savitar to me. Could be. Could very well be. Could be. I don't know. Because Tim didn't say. (laughs) I like that, Tim. I respect that. Tim, you can just slip it to me. You know, I want to ask. (laughs) <laughs> but I won't be angry if you they slip make it private through. messages for a reason, though. Apparently, I prefer to keep some magic. So, uh, right. if it was worth taking off IMDb, I'll just I'll learn about it, like the regular people. Yeah, man. Come on, Tim. Give me that D M. <laughs> <laughs> Direct message again. Yes. Okay. That's it. Okay. That's right. You got it. Um, <laughs> Flash EP Aaron Helbig 
told Entertainment Weekly that the arrival of Gypsy, another viber, will force Cisco to up his game. He says we're going to see Cisco really realize what he can do. Gypsy is a very formidable adversary. He never realized the extent of his powers, and because of seeing Gypsy, he's going to become more and more in tune with his powers and what he can do. Whether it's crossing dimensions or opening breaches much faster and quicker, he's going to be building confidence, and that'll definitely play into the rest of the season of helping Barry and the team stop Savitar from killing Iris. Very nice. Sounds cool. Oh, yeah. I mean, we've been waiting for a long time. I, I, I've been, I felt rewarded enough with this season, mm-hmm. like so far with what he can do. Um, yeah. Hearing that he's about to up the ante makes me very excited. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, my boss just messaged me on Facebook with a picture of a baby Superman and a baby Batman. Like two like two toddlers in Batman and Superman outfits, and it says some serious shit is about to go down. <laughs> <laughs> Looks like they're about to fight. Well done. Alrighty. Um <laughs> Somebody did the same Thank with, with two like four month old puppies uh, back in uh, back you know around this time last year. <laughs> yeah, fight of the century. There's you know, puppers. So uh, Aram Helbig gave TV Line a preview of what to expect on the Flash this year. TV Line asked him if we could expect an answer to why Barry could see Savitar and Joe couldn't. He said yes. We'll reveal the why of that, and it's going to be a pretty big reveal. There's a reason why Barry could see him in that moment and no one else could. Asked about how Julian and Barry will interact going forward, he said, I would say they're conflict-free. The thing about Team Flash is they're willing to always give people the benefit of the doubt and give people a second chance. They're very big on people making amends for their past mistakes. I mean, we know Barry's made a ton of past mistakes. Cisco's made a, <laughs> made some mistakes. He doesn't say ton. I almost said ton. <laughs> he just said, Cisco's made some mistakes. Mm-hmm. Caitlin's made some mistakes. So I think Barry will take the same attitude toward Julian that he takes with any of his other, any of his other friends. Julian was overtaken by Savitar. He wasn't 100% here, but he feels culpable. So he wants to make amends. Makes sense. I actually, I hope that Julian is a good guy from here on out. I like the character. Yeah, yeah, he grew on me. Um, man, I like their antagonistic thing early on, but how long could that last? And now that they're friends, as long as they kind of, um, I, I kind of want them to be friends, but keep that like antagonistic back and forth a little bit. Mm-hmm. Like you know, smile when you say that partner kind of deal. Oh shit! What if they do, and they probably won't, but because he's already been revealed as alchemy and blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. But what if? What if he is? Uh, he is Barry's twin as well. I don't see how that'd be possible. I don't either. <laughs> but you know, they could do the whole uh I'm just I'm just rooting so hard for uh what was his name? God, I've said it so many times and now I can't remember it. <laughs> I don't know. Tell me his name, I'll help you remember. That's the problem. I can't remember the name. And we go back it's, and it's uh Barry yeah, it's, it's Barry's it's Barry's uh twin brother who's the Thawne. He got separated at birth. Oh, uh Cobalt I wanna say Cobalt Blue. Cobalt Blue. Cobalt Blue. That was his name. Yeah, you've been wanting yeah. Cobalt Blue the whole time. I've been hollering for it the whole time. Now I can't remember the name, but yeah, Cobalt Blue. I, I, and, I want um, something a little bit deeper. I want it to be that, like his meta power somehow, and he wasn't, yeah. you know, in the vicinity. But we've also kind of learned that some people have him for different reasons. His meta power is like yeah. being able to uh, to channel people. <laughs> yeah. So he finds like a golden helmet somewhere, and he can channel it. Right. A golden helmet somewhere. Mm-hmm. Very specific helmet. <laughs> Hell, I'd be okay if he channeled right. Boston Brand, for God's sake. Right. <laughs> Fine. <laughs> I'm not even making sense anymore. It's just like I see a random kid on the street on an episode of The Flash, and I'm like, Cobalt Blue! <laughs> kid was wearing a blue shirt. Black edges. <laughs> this is meant to be. It's Cobalt! <laughs> oh, they write Barry a little off for one episode. I'm like, I bet it's not him. I bet it's Cobalt. Mm. <laughs> anyway. Um, Aaron Helbig, he's been very busy this week. He got another extended interview, this time with TV Guide, that's worth checking out. But here are some of the highlights. He talked about the upcoming Black Racer appearance, saying, The thing about the Black Flash is he has the ability to essentially kill the Flash, and that he sucks all his energy and life force the way the Time Wraith did. He's going to be a formidable adversary for Barry, but he's also going to teach Barry a lesson, and that's going to help Barry realize what he needs to do to save Iris. Ooh, that's a little telling. Yeah, I just in what Helbing did this week alone, I feel like if we got out the yarn and the pushboard pins, right. we could probably figure some of this out. 
Right. Question style. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, yeah, no, yeah. Right. I want, I like want Lincoln, the conspiracy board. Linking sync to, you know, the Illuminati. Yeah. But I, I just, to, it, you know, it felt like he brought up a lot of... Aglets. <laughs> <laughs> it's the plastic casings, just the plastic casings on the end of the shoelaces, but their true purpose is sinister. Right. <laughs> it was always a great line. Um, yeah, I felt like there were some it, some good hints out of him this week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, about Caitlin's possible transition to Killer Frost, he said she's going to continue continue to do whatever it takes. So seek out help from her, so, uh, yeah, to seek out help from friends. We saw her seek out help from her mother, and that didn't really help her in the long run. It's something that she'll grapple with for the rest of the season. Hopefully, she can find a cure. We're watching a tragic story unfold. Dude, you're just, like, spoiling everything, aren't you? I, I get... And everything he's saying, like, it's not really enough that you know what's going on, but you know there's something really cool yeah. coming. Yeah. And about Iris and how the news of her death will deeply affect her character, she said, Oh, she's devastated. She's now facing her mortality. She knows the end date, and that's terrifying. But now that she has an end date, that kind of emboldens her through the rest of the season, because... I know when I'm supposed to die, so I'm not going to die until that point. That's going to cause some friction between Iris and the rest of the team. That's a cool way of handling it, though. No, oh, yeah. Just walking out in the middle of the street. <laughs> right. Like, no, I can totally go face, you know... I'm gonna rob a bank! Yeah. Plump Chunk, or whatever name that Cisco's given guy. Yeah. Or girl who's fighting, you know, the team. Yeah. Yeah, I can go totally handle this because I'm not going to die until this day. Was Dark Dark Side's here this week? Yeah, I got this. Don't worry. Right? Y'all lock yourselves away. I can take care of it. Like, so, you know, and at that point, she can be like, so Barry, I have a few things I want to try. Please don't judge. (laughs) Here are a number of uh, drugs and or sexual positions i have thought about trying in my past but i was a little scared that i might die from the experience you know you think you I got a whole lifetime like to, to confront things. these things and uh well i don't i got about a i got about four months so um we're gonna be busy <laughs> we're gonna be a little busy and now that i have assurance that these things are gonna kill me mm-hmm. yes actually that's a good point i would stop paying my health insurance immediately <laughs> just save that money <laughs> for what <laughs> It's like a couple hundred bucks a, a month you can go splurge something on. I guess. Like the aforementioned Be something drums. lame. Be something lame like horseback riding. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. Where? Well, you know one of those like pre-made paths that are, like the tour guide stands there and like watches you. Like, ah, oh, I don't want to do that. Well, I would start that way, but then about five minutes in, I would maniacally laugh at the tour guide and, you know, turn <laughs> turn into the woods. <laughs> like, if you look, and if you look to your left, you'll see where some horny teenagers scrawled their initials into a tree. Mm-hmm. Woo boy! Anyway, mm-hmm. uh, there was a lot of Kevin Smith stuff this week, so buckle in, guys. Uh, Kevin Smith did a pretty in-depth interview with IGN recently about his experiences on Supergirl and the Fast guest, and the Fast and the Flash guest directing. About the cumulative experience, he said early on when they made the move to Vancouver in Supergirl Season 2, and I was up there doing my second episode of The Flash, not appearance, I said I'd love to, so it finally came around and I was able to do it. And I was a little intimidated, because when I did my first episode of Flash, it wasn't a typical episode of Flash, in as much as there was a lot of running around. Not a lot of special effects, because Barry was kind of quasi-dead in that episode, and inside the Speed Force. There was a lot of talking in that episode to people in the person of the feed, of the Speed Force. And not a lot of like, okay, we gotta do green screen and do this. So we moved through it briskly, and it was kind, and I was kind of in my sweet spot. Um, Supergirl is way more complex. The moment she's in that suit, almost anything she does is a special effect, whether she breathes, whether she looks at something, whether she leaves the room, there's a special effect involved. It's a special effects heavy show. And thank God I did that second episode of The Flash in between the first episode of Flash and the first episode of Supergirl. The second episode of Flash, Killer Frost, was very effects heavy and much more in keeping with what they do in terms of spectacle in an episode. So it was very good training going into Supergirl. Is this like a Jersey thing? Because like earlier this week we got Affleck saying that like, well, I didn't know know you could do all this stuff. Yeah. Till I got to BVS, then we get to Smith here. He's like, "Oh, thank God! I would have been so fucking in, like, I, but way in over my head if right. I hadn't tried that, right. that, like, baby step Flash two episode." Is he here from Jersey? Well, I, don't know. I don't know. Um, is Affleck from Jersey? I thought he was from Boston. I mean, that's right. He's from Boston. So just a New England thing, maybe. 
Same thing, annoying accents. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just kidding, guys. We love I actually it. think it's a pretty charming accent. Hey, you know what? We can't... I'm not going to say anything about anybody's accents for real. I'm in Alabama. Yeah. No, we have the nation's worst accents. And if I didn't try very hard, I'd sound like this all the time. Mm-hmm. I don't actually try that hard anymore. When I was a kid, oh, man, it was bad. Yeah. All I have to say is, thank God I was raised on television. <laughs> really minimized it. Yeah. Still creeps out, but still, <laughs> pulled it back a lot. Yeah. Moving on to Supergirl for reals this time. Mm. Kevin Smith told comicbook.com recently that Monday, the episode of Supergirl, that's today, that I directed airs, which is thrilling. I got to Sundance tomorrow, and I'm up here for IMDb all week. Uh, come home Tuesday, then a few days after that, I go up to Vancouver again to direct another episode of Supergirl. He went on to add, I fell in love with everybody up there, so it was easy to say, yeah, it takes something special to make you put aside your own shit when you are, when you are creative. When you have the ability to make the stories you want to make, it's fun to watch other people's stories. It's just way more fun to make your own. So whenever you put your shit aside, it has to be for something worthwhile. Working on Supergirl is like a month of your life, but I'd give it up in a heartbeat because the last experience I had was so rewarding, and I was so happy with what we did. I like all the people up there, and I believe in the show in a big, bad way. It's incredibly warm. It's just well-made entertainment, and it's got something to do. It's got something to it. It's a little nourishing. It's not just fast food. There's always some heart to it. You know, I would be okay given the last few, and I haven't seen them, but they look bad. I'd be okay if Kevin Smith, given his last few movies, would just do this. Like, I don't know. I haven't seen the last few movies. I really I might, haven't seen them at all. I was recently just watching be, the Viewers Universe, and I still haven't, you know expanded yeah. past, past that yeah that would be fine with me he's doing a great job with what he's doing here uh, have you been watching the viewers universe stuff yeah actually, again yeah huh you didn't tell me about that yeah me and the wife went through it you know what's weird though it's hard to find uh clerks 2 and dogma it's like hard to I, yeah i have to buy a physical copy i can't just like rent that on amazon somewhere i mean you don't have to i i can lend you my copies just mail me your copies real quick and i can knock those out i mean <laughs> <laughs> be awesome. I can get them to without even mailing, probably. Be, actually, it'd be much safer, too. You know, yeah. did, did it ever strike you, though, when Smith is so exuberant about, like, oh, man, I just, I loved everybody there, and, like, I, I'm, a cyn- I'm, I'm a cynical enough guy that I'm like, come on, everybody? There wasn't, like, one guy where you're like, right. Chad, you dick, I saw you steal that guy's coffee. Right. <laughs> you dick, you're just whistling and walking in circles while we're all working our asses right. off. You've taken four freaking smoke breaks this hour, man. Get in here and do some work. Uh, <laughs> stop mentioning your Asian wife. We don't think you're not a racist. <laughs> we know. We heard those jokes. We heard you say those jokes at lunch. There's just got to be like one guy. It's, I, I, hate to even, right. I hate to even think that because Kevin Smith just sounds so damn happy with everybody and I hate to like rain on a parade. But some part of me is <laughs> right. like, come on, everybody, man. Like everybody. Yeah. But oh, I'm glad so he liked variety. enough people that he's excited about doing more of these things. <laughs> yeah. Uh, variety is reporting a few more details about the upcoming Supergirl and Flash musical crossover. Apparently, much like the invasion, it will begin in the final moments of Supergirl and take place largely on the Flash. That, Dude, that's people a, did not like that's this. That's a little bit of a boo. Yeah, people didn't like that, guys. Mm-mm. Stop doing that shit. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this will be March 20th and 21st. It will be directed by Dermot Downs and will include performances by Grant Gustin, Melissa Benoist, Jesse L. Martin, Victor Garber, Carlos Valdez, Jeremy Jordan, and John Barrowman. David Harwood and Chris Wood will appear but will not be singing. For some quick history on their qualifications, Grant Gustin and Melissa Benoist are Glee alums. Uh, Garber was part of the original Sweeney Todd and Assassin's Cast and was four to- and has four Tony nominations. Martin, originally the voice of Tom Collins on Rent and makes a great lounge singer. Jordan starred in Smash the last five years and got a Tony domination for his role in Newsies. Uh, Barrowman began his acting career in London with Anything Goes and Valdez was in Broadway's uh, once. Uh, at one, sorry, at some point it actually starts to make the titular character look underqualified. Still no news about whether there will be any original music on either episode. The music meister for the upcoming Flash Supergirl crossover has been cast as well. It's not Neil Patrick Harris, which I'm pissed about. Mm-hmm. Darren Chris of Glee will be popping over to take on that giant cross- crossover cast. The uh, episode will be titled Duet, which is kind of perfect. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I I don't know Darren Chris. I didn't watch Glee. No offense. No, no Johnson- offense to him. We just, you well, know, yeah. NPH originated it. He did a great job. Obviously, we would have hoped. But didn't work out 
Look, I have never seen an episode of Glee. I Not am one. a huge fan of. Jo- yeah, I'm a huge fan of Joss Whedon. He says that it was his favorite show. Great. I still never watched it. I just still it never watched never it. Never hit. And I'm, it's not even that I'm not a fan of musicals. I actually, I, I actually, I have, I'm, I'm like, yeah. I, I, I don't know, 50 50 on them. If it's a bad one, it's a bad one. If it's a good one, it's a good one. It's great. But I have nothing against them in particular. It's just never, never thought I was going to watch Glee. You know, it was, I think it's a little bit of one of those um, Nirvana Pearl Jam rivalry type of things. Like, I was a fan of Community, so I was never going to watch Glee. <laughs> <laughs> There's, that may, that won't make sense to anyone if you haven't actually watched a lot of community, but <laughs> bear with him. There also, is you know, something to what he just said. Right. And you know, uh, it's fine. I I thought about going back and looking at Glee, but I love Joss Whedon. Don't necessarily trust his taste, like in actually what he watches. I I love what he produces, like pretty much nine times out of ten. I'm like, dude, solid job. Here I am. Look at me impressed. But then he's like, I really like this show. And I'm like, okay, I'll give Veronica Mars a, ch- a chance. And I'm like, eh. I've still been meaning to do that. Yeah, I, I've been meaning to get past like the second or third episode, but I just haven't done it yet. It's just so procedural. I just, it's so hard. I'll try it out this summer, maybe, if I remember it. It hurts. <laughs> so, uh, about Kara's imminent discovery of the true identity of Guardian. Andrew Kreisberg told Entertainment Weekly, I think that I think that James was right to not tell her. <laughs> wow, that's pretty strong. <laughs> Is Kreisberg behind the voice of Diggle? Um, <laughs> you can't tell Carr, James. He's the Diggle consultant. You can't tell Carr. She'll hate you forever. Um, he pretty accurately guessed her reaction to it. What I think is interesting is while her reaction is explosive, it's also one of concern and love. She loves James and when and when she does find out, she's worried for her friend's safety. Uh, McCod Brooks also mentioned a TV line that James and Carl will be competing elsewhere. He says, I'm writing my article on how amazing the Guardian is and how he stopped the crime. And Kara's writing her article about Supergirl. We're having a secret war. It's just a little funny scene where both of us are trying to push our agendas. Well, okay, that's cool that you're having a quote-unquote secret war. But secret war is Marvel's. Isn't that what you thought, too? Like, <laughs> come on. Come on. Come on, man. And that doesn't sound like a secret war. It sounds like a side battle. Call it a, a crisis. <laughs> We're having a tiny, I don't know, column crisis. <laughs> So, Kevin Smith wants to direct part of the DC TV crossover. He was talking to comicbook.com. He says, if they ask me, I put in my request to Christberg already, dude. After I watched their crossover, I said, please, dude, please, next year, just give me a taste of that crossover. <laughs> I just want to be Any involved one in one of I'll them. I'll finally do an arrow then. I, Let's, let me do the arrow. Let me do the arrow next time. <laughs> I don't care which one. They look like a nightmare to shoot, I'll be honest with you. I did the Killer Frost episode of The Flash right before they went into the crossovers and the crossover schedule. You're talking about four different shows where you're swapping performers and characters and stuff like that. It's a nightmare on all the ADs as they had to try to figure out how to make all this work. Oh, it, it, it absolutely sounds like it, though. It just does. That Yeah. Where you're like, well, said, dude, all right, stay in costume. You're over on the Legends set now. <laughs> I need you back in 45 for your bit on The Flash. Thank you. Yeah. Can I go pee? I, said, so help me God, if you pee, I'll kill you. Get in there. Right. That being said, look at the end results, dude. That was absolutely thrilling to watch all four of those shows cross over. I'm asking. I'm asking. I don't know <laughs> if they'll let me, but believe me, I've already put in the request. I said, whatever it is next season, whatever the crossover is, even if it was the death of Kevin Smith, I want to be involved somehow. <laughs> <laughs> the actual live for real death. Of Kevin Smith. Yeah, let me direct it. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, EP Mark Guggenheim oh, talked with Entertainment way, Weekly. Quick, quick what? prop bet. Um, oh, you don't do you don't do enough sports to know what a prop bet is. I think. Uh, I have no idea what you're talking about. But go. propositional bet, where you do weird <laughs> shit like how many times will the announcer say the phrase this? You know, something like that. Okay. So for us, our version of that. Do you bet that eventually, if Kevin Smith dire- directs enough of these, that he will somehow connect it to the Viewers Universe? That he'll put in a background gag somewhere. I'm fairly certain he already has. And we just haven't we caught just haven't him. Caught. <laughs> There's a Blunt Man comic somewhere in the background of one scene. Right. <laughs> but uh, what, do you, what do you think? Yes or no? Just if you had to pick yes or no, does he do it eventually? Yeah, I don't think so. Like, maybe like a joke. Maybe as a joke. Maybe a clerk's poster or something. I don't think he'll do like a full-fledged, make it a part of the universe type of thing. Okay. I'm going to go with yes just to be arbitrary, as I often do. Sure. 
It's like, I, I mean, I've seen you try to make business cards. Every time they come out, and despite whatever you put on them, it always says Devil's Advocate on the bottom. I know. I know. Uh, we are who we are, Dave. Um, <laughs> I know what I'm about, son. <laughs> uh, so, Mark Guggenheim of the EP on Arrow is talking to Entertainment Weekly about what the Talia and Nissa dynamic might be with Talia coming into the Arrowverse, which I'm excited about, oddly enough. He said, she's definitely her own person. She's not a Nyssa clone by any stretch. You can definitely sense a familial resemblance. Having Rachel Ghul as your dad is likely to forge a very specific kind of person. They're close enough and different enough that I would love at some point to do a story with Nyssa and Talia. He was also asked by uh, why Oliver didn't mention Talia during any of his time with Raish. He says, we'll, we'll also be dealing very directly with the very, fairly obvious question, which is, wait a second, when Oliver met Rachel Ghul, why didn't he say, wait, hey, wait a minute, I think I met your daughter back in Russia? Guggenheim says, we have a very specific answer for that. Um, so Guggenheim also says, Russia is a very is very much in the zeitgeist these days, and coming into the back half of the year, we're doing a lot more with Russia. We're going to do a Russia-centric episode fun mm-hmm. a flashback centric episode like we did in the first three years of the show we'll be doing that later on in the season and that will have Dolph Lundgren's character Constantine Kovar very much front and center he also mentioned that in that episode assuming that scheduling works out because we're still writing this episode the plan is for Constantine to have a very that's Constantine Kovar don't freak out Constantine <laughs> Kovar to have a very key meeting with a corrupt American multi-millionaire businessman. Make of that what you will. That sounds like a Trump thing. (laughs) (laughs) It has that, like, I don't know. When you say zeitgeist, it's kind of what we're all thinking about right now a little bit. Uh Uh-huh. Wherever you land on it, it's probably in your mind. Or at least on your newsfeed. Right. I'm excited about the flashback. You know, we mentioned this during season four. They they didn't do uh, a centric like island flashback and we actually appreciated that because the island flashbacks were shit mm-hmm. so but absolutely some of my favorite moments like season one and two though were when they went back and really focused on it for a minute those were fantastic yeah. episodes <laughs> they were like you could take those you could just cut those island from the first two seasons you could just take those island flashbacks put them into their own like 13 episode series and put it on netflix and it would be just as good as daredevil oh, damn right man <laughs> People would still be talking about the shadow scene, you know, the shadow death scene. Right. Like, no, what? Yeah. Not shadow. Absolutely they would. That'd be amazing. <laughs> On to Powerless. There, We have some Powerless updates. Uh, new showrunners, Patrick Schumacher. That's, that's not a good sign. <laughs> <laughs> Patrick Schumacher, Justin Halpern, gave us some interesting tidbits to The Hollywood Reporter. Uh, among them, the reason for the change from insurance company to security company was, quote, that the insurance company angle wasn't really generating the type of stories that we wanted to be telling. I could have told you that. <laughs> yeah. After a sit down with Jeff Johns, DC's fixer of all things DC, uh, it was decided that the Wayne security angle would allow them to, quote, tell classic workplace comedy stories, but in a way that kind of activates the DC universe a little bit more. Expect some Bats Bruce Wayne acknowledgement early on, but not much past it because, as he said, quote, we make it a point not to use Batman and Bruce Wayne as a crutch. We don't lean into that past the pilot that much. He also mentioned the show will be based in Charm City, a city that will be completely fabricated for the show. And that it will be based on Earth P and not not connected to the Berlantiverse or the DCEU or the Fox stuff. They will be making references to the themes of the current movie and TV universes, but, quote, we don't treat the films as things that have happened within this world. Pointing to the major Justice League characters, he said, quote, they're not going to make appearances. They do exist in this world. We reference them all the time. Speaking of the sources for the writing room, he said the idea is that we're going to pull from the whole canon of the comics. It really is the comics we are pulling from. We really want to show as much of the birth of the DC Universe as possible. That part sounds, you know, rewarding. But yeah. between Charm City and Earth P, it's it's almost like they stood on the hilltop and said, Fuck you, other universes! <laughs> 
Uh, Halpern said, we're hesitant to not, to, to not name drop, just to name drop. We want it to make sense when it happens. We're open to that kind of thing. But we're sort of trying to be careful to not service things the wrong way, mm-hmm. which is great. Uh, they released a bunch of new promos. You know, I'm on record as having said I thought it looked like garbage. I think it looks a little better now, but not much better. What do you think? I didn't think it looked that bad to begin with. I know you didn't, but you have, you know, a low standard. No, I uh, I have... <laughs> uh, what do I call it? I'm just kidding, man. I'm just... Naive optimism. It. Right. And it's only about things that I just haven't actually seen yet. For the, like, I, I, I try not to get down on something until I've actually seen the entire product, you know? Like, showing me 30 seconds of a 22-minute pilot, I'm going to try not to judge you. Like, maybe even it's just, you know, like the, the trailer warehouses or... What, trailer house? What do you call it? The trailer house? I don't know. Anyway, the pl- you, like, you so. send the you send your whole fucking pilot off and say, "Hey, make a trailer," and they send back this thing, and you're not in charge of it. So right. I try to give the creators enough credit to just go, "Look, I'm gonna watch. I'm gonna at least watch your pilot before I form a real judgment." But that's fair. You know, I it, I kind of thought like it was it looked half amusing, and now when I watched uh, when I watched these last few promos, which come on, you know the highlights like Starro, right? Right. That's fucking awesome. Well, I don't know. My favorite was oddly enough, my favorite joke was the. Um, the difference in color in the Joker EpiPen. Like, that's what I laughed that's, the hardest That's pretty at, good. Was the initial, like, you know, whatever it was. I don't I don't remember the colors now. I mean, the Joker EpiPen like, bit was pretty good anyway. It's, yeah. it, it's you know, if you haven't seen it, it's a, it's a little kind of uh, shoot yourself in the thigh pen that stops Joker gas from, uh, you know, rectifying you. Rector? <laughs> Rector? Rectorifying? Anyway, from giving you the stupid dread and killing you. Rectifying. I like that. Okay, yeah. so that's probably right. Um, right. So it... It was a good bit, and they they play it as a Wayne commercial. What is it? What do they call it? Wayne? Yeah. Uh, it's not Wayne Industries. Whatever this company yeah, is, we know. all work for. Sorry, we're still getting used to this material, guys. Um, like it, it's a cool, it's a cool <laughs> idea. It's a con- and that's where it really hit me though is when they showed the commercial. I was like, oh, that's what I want the show to be. I want it to be better off Ted. Yeah, I really love better off Ted. Well, and it is. I mean, I mentioned better off Ted last week in reference to it, but it looks like an unfunny DC Comics version of better off Ted. Well, this is, um, I mean, the, the, like, I'm behind this now as, like, no, you've got the working pieces of the show that, that, that yeah. was just, it was gone. Uh, I don't know. What was the, uh, the the kryptonite glass bit? Did you see that one? <laughs> that was actually pretty good. I did not think about that scenario. I just dropped it or something. <laughs> yeah. I had not considered that possibility. Clink. Actually, the joke, um, the joke that probably, it, it made me laugh, but I'm betting it was even better on paper. Was I need you to put together the Wonder Woman uh, model? <laughs> but it's the invisible plane. But it's invisible. Yeah, yeah. the the show <laughs> made me end up. It may end up being way better than um, some of the expectations that I don't know we've we've portrayed. I, I like that. Like Dave, you you were you were down on it last week. I was neutral. Um, this week we're yeah. I'm about the same. You're in better spirits. I think we're probably right. below the average on expectations for this thing or hopes. Maybe yeah. I did I, oddly There's enough. There's still Alan enjoyed, Tudyk, I, you know. I know. Oh my God! Uh, his his bit where she the the woman walks in and says Bruce Wayne is on the line for you, mm-hmm. and he says if you were kidding with me right now, I am going to stuff your pockets with rocks and throw you in the river. That's <laughs> <laughs> good. It was good. And he's like, "How do I look?" She's like, "Like somebody who doesn't know how to work a phone." <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty good um that was yeah i was down with that and i actually enjoyed the thing where vanessa Hudgens was like we need to like are you what are you gonna say think outside the box and she's like no pretend that there is no box what are you working on and this dude and the dude goes i'm literally working on a box (laughs) (laughs) that was pretty good i had some good chuckles and i felt better about the show it it i'm still not completely on board but it looks a lot better than it did. The Joker EpiPen was my favorite bit, though. I think minimally right now you're on board with trying it. Also, I never thought I'd see a live-action Starro in any capacity. Oh, my God. Yeah, that so, was the big thing, right? But you know, everybody's saying that's a Green Lantern beam that blasts him. It sure Green looks Lantern like wouldn't blast. Green Lantern wouldn't blast Starro and explode him. He would <laughs> encase him and fly him out to space. Sure, and- probably. Unless you're trying to like focus on the, the whole these people destroy our city thing. Sure. Guy Gardner might. Guy Gardner might, as played by Joel McHale. Yeah. Now, may- maybe it's like Kyle still training, and he was like, I'm going to make a giant thing of dynamite. Oh, that was a bad idea. Wait, wouldn't that be fun? Guy Gardner, as played by Joel McHale, meeting up with Danny Pudi and Powerless. Oh, that would be good. Yeah, I could dig that. <laughs> 
Allison Brie for Star Sapphire, just saying. <laughs> I just really want Community back. Even if we have to rebuild it on another show. Yeah. We can have Shirley come back as Amanda Waller. Mm-hmm. We can have... <laughs> I don't know. John Oliver's Maxwell Lord. I don't know. We can make this work, people. Jim Rash's Lex Luthor. That could work. That could totally work. <laughs> no, there's a Captain Britain. John Oliver can be that. Well, Captain Britain was Marvel. Oh, God. Yeah, you're right. Shit. That's right. Damn it. Thwart it again. <laughs> Anyway, moving on. We got other things. Mm-hmm. We'll do our dream cast of Powerless as as represented by Community some other day. <laughs> I guarantee you um, tonight so I'm going to I'm going to wake up tomorrow morning and my first thought is going to be like Jim Rash should be in blank insert here. Yeah. You know, I could see Jim Rash as the comedian, not the comedian. What the hell? Mm-hmm. As the dean, as the dean on Community treating Superman like the dean from the other Community college. Oh, yeah, that'd be fantastic. Yeah. Anyway, um, so they've announced some actors for Teen Titans: The Judas Contract. Um, they cast RoboCop actor, uh, also actor, an actor in uh, Iron Man Three. He was in NCIS Los Angeles, Crossing Jordan. Uh, Miguel F- uh, Ferrer, Ferrer. I can't. I don't know how to say that name. How do you say that? Miguel Ferrer. Yeah, I remember him from Star Trek. He was in one of the Star Trek movies. Um, but he's a uh, Deathstroke. In this thing. And he's also been the weather wizard in, uh, in Justice League. Um, anyway, and Christina Ritchie uh, as uh, Tara. But within hours of them announcing that, which he's already recorded his lines, he actually passed away. Miguel Ferrer uh, passed away um, complications with cancer. So, mm. um, you know, he, he was a voice actor. He did a lot of stuff. Vandal Savage, Sinestro, Martian Manhunter, Aquaman, Weather Wizard. Ton of stuff across the DC animated stuff. Uh, so that sucks. There's some up and down and news. I was, yeah, right? Like, within hours of them saying that he was going to be in Judas Contract, it was, he died. Mm. So, um, he's a good actor, too. It bummed me out to see that. Um, lighter news, though. Injustice 2 trailer dropped. And it looks like you say lighter news. Yeah, kind of. I mean, in <laughs> in reality, absolutely. It just in tonally. Yeah. Oof. Yeah. Uh, so a new trailer for Injustice Two dropped that gives us some of the plot to the sequel. It looks like some of the characters will be trying to reassert the dominance of Superman. A new faction will develop, trying to take advantage of the chaos following the coup, and Batman will be faced with some morally sticky uh, decisions. Uh, also, Brainiac will be masterminding apparently the plot. I don't know. That that <laughs> was pretty much the bigger reveal. It looked like was uh, Brainiac's yeah. decided that he's going to um, well toy with everyone. Yeah. Uh, confirmed newbie characters are now Darkseid, which is well we we knew about that, but he's the Stinger, and apparently you need to pre-order to play with him. Yeah. Or just purchase a season pass because he'll most certainly be available. And he, there he was available time. previously, but I think it was like only iOS. Yeah, it was. Well, um, I think that was just the dark. That was just the Injustice game on iOS. Yeah, no, I'm like, sorry. Not on, the on, actual, on Injustice, uh, I forget what the hell the the circumstances were, but you you can. Ha- some people have played with Darkseid before. Yeah, so it's not an entirely new experience for some people, but um, you know, the rest of the world. But again, that was that. Yeah, that was the iOS Injustice game, though, not the console. Right. Um. But yeah, apparently you're going to also be able to play with Bane and Poison Ivy and Brainiac. And if you're interested in that, a prequel comic will drop April 11th. Also, what's cool is that it looks like you're going to be able to like play different characters through uh, through like um, DLC content. Like you're going to be able to like buy skins for Supergirl that'll make her into Power Girl, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Oh, that's neat. So that's a neat development. Yeah, uh, and real easy. I'm glad they really thought of cool. that. Me too. That's that's cool though. Like shit. Man, I wish I had a game system for that, but I just can't <laughs> justify buying a new game system for one game. I just don't play any games. I know. You remember when you could go, like, rent one? Yes. I used to do that all the time. <laughs> I do. What do you mean, do I remember? I long for those days. Right. Well, I mean, I when the time came in my life where my parents finally said, okay, we can we can get you one system. Do you yeah. want, you know, do you want Sega or do you want SNES? And um, I looked at the... I looked at the game set that I saw, and with SNES, there were a lot more sports games than there were, like, with Genesis, yeah. there were a lot more kind of story-based games. 
Mm-hmm. And I was, I was, you know, I played sports like a motherfucker, but I really didn't care about like playing them on. Like I was, I wanted to go play on a field. I didn't want to actually play it when I went home. I wanted to go tell stories yeah. when I went home. So right. I, Genesis, but every now and then there'd be a game on SNES that I, I couldn't get over there and, and I'd go like cry and beg and, and Can we please just rent it for the weekend. And yeah, I'd rent it for the weekend and absolutely like consume it. Yeah. You could rent the whole, um, God, it used to be like 30 bucks for the, the two days. And then you'd have to go rent the game itself for like four or five bucks or whatever. Yeah. You know what was weird is like, uh, I remember. Back in the blockbuster day. Yeah. I remember going to Premier Movie uh, movie and uh, renting the Avoid the Noid game. Oh, wow. You know, it was a it was a video game. I don't remember if it was for, I think it was for Nintendo, I want to say. Maybe for Sega Genesis. But it was uh, the Noid from the Domino's uh, commercials. Mm-hmm. And I liked Domino's Pizza. I liked Domino's and I liked the Noid. And that was a fun game. I don't know why it was so fun <laughs> to me. I'm sure if I played it now, I'd be like, what the hell was ridiculous. I thinking? But I probably rented that thing like 25 times. <laughs> oh, yeah. <clears throat> there were certain ones I'd rent over and over again. And I can never get past like stage three, you know, like the warehouse or whatever that was. But, um, I never, like, yeah, I never owned I could... a copy of Mortal Kombat, but I've probably played a hundred hours of it. Oh man. I think my first, uh, I, th- I owned Mortal Kombat two, three. I didn't, I didn't get four or sub zero, but I, I got like all of the PS2 except for Shaolin Monks. I didn't get that one. No, there uh, was a whole gap where I, uh, I, I, I didn't get a gaming system between, uh, between like Genesis and Xbox. Yeah. So I had this giant chunk of years where if I went over to somebody's house and went, oh, you, have a, you have a console? What do you have? And I'd yeah. like, go catch up on Mortal Kombat. Who are these people? Yeah, she's pretty much made of claws. <laughs> um, yeah, I loved the uh, Deception and what was the other one? Uh, Deadly Alliance, maybe? I don't know. Of Mortal Kombat. Those were like mother's milk. Like mm. I was just like, oh man. Mortal Kombat's back in a big bad way, and it's so awesome. And Liu Kang's a friggin' zombie, and look at him with his chain hooks. And I was just down for it all. That's nice. Um, I like always. Uh, there are certain franchises I always loved, but I never could keep them regularly in my life. So I just kind of yeah. zoom in and out of them. And, yeah. I mean, God, like uh, a friend of mine, uh, Michael. We we I never owned an N sixty four, but we spent so much time in high school that I might as well have. Right. <laughs> so, Metal... Uh, no, it's not Metal Gear. Um, oh, my God. Twisted Metal, Metal. Gear Solid? Twisted, no, oh, Twisted no. Metal. Twisted Metal oh, 3. Shit. I think Twisted, it's Twisted Metal, Metal 2. 2. You and I two. have had this conversation. It was yeah. 2. It was 2, and it was Minion and all that. All right, so Twisted Metal 2. That was on PlayStation. The one that was basically Rob Zombie's... Yeah, he had a PlayStation 2 um, as well. I mean. This is PlayStation. <laughs> you know, PlayStation yeah. as well. Um, yeah. <laughs> oh, okay, uh, I got twist, you. Twisted Metal 2 <laughs> on the PlayStation as well. And uh-huh. GoldenEye... On the uh, N64, I, Golden, I could still draw you maps of the levels. Like we, we just kind of yeah. It, I would, it was, it was, it was. We, we got absolutely compulsive about this at some point. Like we got to the point where, yeah. where, with, with him and I, we'd put it on proximity mines every now and then, and we knew all the mm-hmm. spawn points. So like, if you, if you died once, you were done. The first of us that mm-hmm. actually got in a, a shot was you were done we'd put it on like 10 and then basically every time you spawned you blew up again right <laughs> it, it got it got to the point where we were absolutely deadly that's awesome it's funny i forget we're doing a podcast sometimes because i just I, it feels like i'm just talking to you on the phone yeah we just and chat. you were like you're like yeah a friend of mine michael i'm like yeah i know michael why are you acting like i don't know oh yeah because people <laughs> that we don't know are listening <laughs> speaking of which what other news do we have <laughs> That's it. We're done. That's Damn all the our, our cartridge-ridden gaming past. <laughs> That's all the news, buddy. We Did were it? gone. We were done. Okay. Uh, <laughs> you want to wrap her up? You want to talk about Goldeneye a little bit more? <laughs> oh, man. I yeah. never played it, but I'm down for listening. Oh, it was deep. To your ruminations. It was deep. Oh, the la- last thing was we had a, uh, there was a, if any, any of the people that remember it, there was a gun called the Clob uh-huh. that... It was we we nicknamed it the suicide gun because in actual gameplay you walked in and you could like spray the room with that thing, but it was true spray and pray. Like you could aim at somebody's head with that thing and just pull the trigger, and it may hit him from like fifteen feet, you know, and, and estimated yeah. game yardage. So we called it the suicide gun. But what it made uh, what it 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 made this a lot of fun. There was one um, 
one of the bunker. It was the library, I think. Uh, it was one library. It was the the library like setting for uh, you know multiplayer deathmatch kind of deal. You'd go in there, you put it on license to kill, which meant one shot, one kill. Um, I mean, if you're hitting the, if you're hitting the thumb, you're done. Yeah. As though you could articulate a thumb on an N64. But it <laughs> one shot, one one kill, and we'd go in there and just do like strafing circles around each other with a club. And it was pretty much Russian roulette with like 500 bullets. Like, yeah. There was no way of actually guiding a bullet toward the other person. It wouldn't make a damn bit of difference. It was pretty much musket yeah. balls. But we just like strafe around in a circle like, ah! until somebody died. Yeah. A lot of fun there. Yeah, you know, and, and I think you experienced a little bit of this when you and I used to play uh, Call of Duty 2. Um, you know, I'd go hang out with uh, with with Matt Carroll of MCU Cast when I was in my teens, and we would uh, find our way into playing a video game of some sort, and uh, with we'd bring over our buddy Ryan or whatever, and uh, I would play the old "Let me just find some place to hide, and I guess you I will stay there until you find me and kill me." Ah, yeah. <laughs> That old method. That old chestnut. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we're like looking at a split screen, and they're like, where are you? And I'm like, I'll never tell. <laughs> we can't even tell by looking at your segment of the screen. What happened? What did you do? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm not good at those games. It, it got <laughs> to be it got to be truly impossible that, that we couldn't tell. I mean, you, you, could, you could do that all day. And we tried it. Like, our favorite was Pyramid Proximity Mines, mm-hmm. and we would we would um, we'd go there, and then you try the same thing. You'd crawl up in one of the secret tunnels in the pyramid and like face just face the wall, just face the wall, and, and look. it's it's the equivalent of in poker when you just put on eyeglasses, a hoodie, and look at your like look at the table until someone makes a decision. Right. And two things happened: either you eventually figured out what tunnel they're on because you've seen that weird pattern in the you know in the the rock on the wall before. Right. Or you thought you saw a glimpse of where they might be, or you even, for God's sake, figured out based on the proximity mines they had left that you had seen in time, like where they were. It was, it was, uh, it was deep. Right? You'd, you'd sneak up on them somehow. But yeah, that was one of the tricks we'd use. Where like you'd plan all the things you needed to be if you could get around the map faster. Plan as fast as you could. Mm-hmm. Hide. Wait for the other person to die. Run out as fast as you can and plan everything everywhere else. <laughs> right. <laughs> worked as it worked as well as anything else. <laughs> Yeah, playing those types of games, like, just listening to you guys and seeing what you... I got, you know, I've hung out with you and Michael while you're playing uh, Call of Duty and different things. Mm-hmm. And uh, you guys do similar types of things. And uh, for me, I was always just like, that seems like a lot of work. It's just like in real life. I'm like, eh, that seems like a lot of work. So <laughs> <laughs> just go hide somewhere and hope it all goes away. <laughs> oh, we, uh... Yeah, we um in our in our 20s, Michael and I, it was uh, Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2. We developed... We were playing. They had a cool thing in there that was like special ops. It was uh, multiplayer missions, like two person missions, where you you both tried to beat a level, which was neat. And you know, it, it doesn't get used as not that method doesn't get used as much as I think it should because it's nice to be able to like sit in a room with somebody. Not the multiplayer online stuff. I mean, that's great for certain things, but like you, you wanted to chill in a room with somebody and like go beat something together. That was a really cool option. Mm-hmm. And a lot of, like we we beat you know we beat a lot of those just without having to resort to, to real tactics because it is just a game after a while and you, you know you just shoot people but <laughs> right. we got to one where it was like you had to beat these things called juggernauts in this tiny little like maze with, with these it, it was it was weird it was like it it really was kind of a maze feel to it mm-hmm. and these juggernaut things like you couldn't just shoot them i mean you you could if you had enough bullets and they just weren't paying attention but that wasn't a it they were deadly, and there's yeah. like a level they put it on called I think high explosives, where all you had was uh, rocket launchers, grenades, and knives. Which I know sounds like a lot, but when somebody's running around that much armor, you're you know still not dealing with anything. We had to develop like a, a separate language. We had north cor- north corridor, library, south corridor, south healing space. Like we had to develop an entire language to actually beat this level. Wow, it got weird. It got absolutely weird. <laughs> It but it, it weird, became buddy. an obsession, though, where the like, it, like we knew where they spawned, when they spawned, the patterns there. Like literally, we got, got down to the point where, like, when you had to beat ten of them, and it it came in, they came in different patterns, and like uh, sometimes it'd be one of them in North Corridor, 
you know, one of them in South Quarter or two in Central, you know, something like that. But um, it got to the point where, depending on how we killed them, we were already crawling out like Pattern B, which meant we knew there were going to be like one in South Quarter or one in North Quarter. It was, it was. That's ridiculous. We played that thing probably like a couple hundred times. We, but we were determined to like beat it on the highest level. And what was this again? Uh, I think it was Modern Warfare 2, Call of Duty. All right. Yeah. We Guys, were de- don't ever play Jason or we Michael were in Modern determined. Warfare 2. <laughs> Absolutely determined. To beat those things. That's ridiculous. It was. I would never I would never play a game to that depth. Ever. It was. I was going to exert that much energy. It would be on something like a podcast. No, it was pure obsession. <laughs> pure, unmitigated, uncontrolled. Same thing, I guess. A- obsession. Right. <laughs> All well, right, you want to wrap it up? Yeah. I hope everyone enjoyed right. that little video game <laughs> podcast at the end of this thing. All right. Yeah. Uh, next thing you know, we'll be on Twitch. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, that's going to do it for our DC TV episode. We are DC on screen. You can find every episode on DC on If you enjoy the show, please remember to subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google play, or whatever your favorite podcatcher is. We're proud members of the giant size team up network, giant size team up.com. A lot of cool shows over there. Uh, breaking the panel, panel by panel, booze and phasers, Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast with my friend Matt Carroll. Uh, grew up together that I just mentioned earlier. Uh, we are also members of the Batman Podcast Network. A lot of cool shows over there, including the Suicide Squad cast that we've mentioned probably almost every week. And <laughs> we will be coming right back uh, next week. Well, I guess we're gonna have you know what we're gonna have on Saturday is a Gotham, Lucifer, Supergirl, Flash, Arrow, and Legends of Tomorrow um, reviews, as well as our news episodes that are going to be coming up on Tuesday of next week. We are back in the full swing of things. So until next time, guys, keep some DC on your screen. Better Banking is getting an unbelievable 0.99% APR rate on a home equity line of credit from First Commonwealth Bank to turn your bathroom into your, wow, I love this bathroom, bathroom. 0.99% introductory APR for six months that adjusts to a variable rate based on Wall Street Journal prime rate plus or minus a margin with a minimum rate of 2.99% and a maximum rate of 18%. Offer subject to change or withdrawal at any time. Call 1-800-711-2265 for details about credit costs and terms. Equal housing lender, First Commonwealth Bank, member FDIC.